Our Father, we thank you for this morning. We bless you for the gift of life. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for Jesus. We are grateful unto you for making us young men and young women. We give you thanks for all your investment in our lives. We are so grateful that you have not given up on us. No matter how far we went in time past, you so much love us and you are pulling us back home to yourself. Thank you, Father, for how you have helped us as young people this week. Thank you for all you have put in our lives. You will yet put in our lives and you will continue to put in our lives. We thank you for what you are expecting from us in our days as young people. Blessed be your name. Father, we are standing here and we are asking that you will take the totality of our lives and use them to accomplish your purpose, the very reason why you gave birth to all of us. We are asking that as we round up this Young People's Week today, we are only rounding up our program. You have not rounded up with us. We are praying that you will, you will, you will put in us that which will, will um, catapult us into the days ahead, walking and serving the Lord with gladness of heart in the name of Jesus. Please help us, Lord. Let none of us live here just the way we came. May we all go back with fire kindled in our lives, in our hearts, to serve your purpose in the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, speak your word to our hearts. Each one of us here, our capacity is different. We are not at the same level. But Lord, wherever we are, at whatever page we are, please descend down to our levels and speak to us. Thank you for hearing us. For we prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. I greet you all in the name of Jesus Christ. We want to thank God for this chapel, the venerable, the chaplains, and the young people who have availed themselves for these few days, tiring in the presence of God, studying together how we as young people will serve God far better than we have been doing. We are grateful for the privilege to study together the Word of God at His feet. Thank you so much for the opportunity and the privilege. I want to thank our parents who are present here with us today. We are so glad that God, God decided to make us parents. And he has given us wonderful young men, wonderful young women, who will live far, who will go far beyond us. Whatever level we have reached as parents, our children will go far beyond us. And the grace of God in their lives will outshine the grace of God that we are, their parents have carried. Praise the Lord. 
we began um, by looking at our team. Remember now thy creator before the evil days comes. We have been, God has been helping us to look at each of those things one after the other. What does it mean to remember? Why now? Why now? The emphasis now. And why the creator? Why is he called the creator? And for this, since Friday, we have been discovering that one of the best things the creator created for us was this body that we are living in. And we understood that whatever any young man or any young woman will become in life, that thing is located in the body. All the talents and the gifts, all the endowments of heaven, all that any, any of us will become, God has packaged them and located them in this body. And we saw from the life of Jesus that even him, when he came to this world on his mission, he did say, sacrifices and offering, God was not interested in. But a body you have prepared for me. He himself lived in that body and accomplished the purpose of God in that body. And we began to draw our inspiration from that point. That we young men, young women, in our time, God has honored us with a body. And we saw that all the, the beauty that God has put upon us is, is an honor. The talent and the gifts, the grace of God working in our life, our brilliance, our intelligence, whatever thing that we will use for God, they are all honor that He has bestowed on us. And the sharp application He puts on us that we also ought to use those things to honor Him. We discover woefully that many young people, unfortunately, are using the gifts and the talents, the honor and the beauty and the handsomeness that God has put in them, using those things to serve the purpose of the devil. And we realize that we, others may do so, but we, we cannot afford to waste the resources of heaven upon our lives to advance the kingdom of the devil. We will rather, by the grace of God, uh, advance the kingdom of God through the resources, of course, located in our bodies, that he has given to us. Yesterday, we took the time to go carefully through the lives of many young people who preserved themselves. If you remember very well, the emphasis God has been raising with us since Friday is not about what we can do with him, not about activity or business here and there. It is about our being, how we will live the life before we can accomplish anything for God. We have seen that uh, any man who is not living correctly the way God expects him or her to live, no matter his desire to be used by God, he has put a limit on his own self. And we, we began to pray that God, we will serve you, we will, we, will, I, we will separate ourselves unto you and to you alone, with our, in our bodies and in our spirits, to serve you. That is the concern, that is the concern of us as young people getting involved in the affairs of God. And as parents, this is our duty to encourage our young people, our young men, our young women, 
that the concerns of God, the affairs of God, is the very essence of the living, of our living as young people. That if we miss that, actually, we will only return back much later to regret that we have wasted our lives. May that not be our story in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, this morning, we'd like to look very quickly um, what may be like an application of some of the things we have been looking at for the past few days. Having consecrated yourself to God, having set, set yourself apart to God, having understood that the reason why God gave you your body and all those gifts and talents is located in you, having understood that, what then is the application? What then does God expect of you? Is it so that you can shine and use them anyhow you choose? Like many young people who say, it's my body after all. I can do anything I like with it. But for us, no, it's not so. There are reasons. There, are mis- there is a particular mission God expects you to accomplish with all that he has given to you, the privileges and the opportunities that he has given to you, even as students or even as workers and so on and so forth. Now, this morning we'll be looking at understanding the mission of Jesus. Understanding the mission of Jesus. Or, we can put it, remembering the mission of Jesus Christ. Alright. Now, Jesus, He was our creator as well. It help you remember that the scripture said that without Him, nothing was made that was made. Everything that was made was made for Him by him and through him. So without Jesus, you and I couldn't have been made. We are made, we are what we are because of Jesus. So he is our creator. We are made for him and we are living and ought to be living for him. Now if that is the case, we therefore need to understand his missions. So that as young people, we will be able to align ourselves to the mission of Jesus. So that as we aspire to become doctors, we aspire to become nurses, we aspire to become the best in our profession. And actually he expects nothing less than that. We must be the best in our, in our chosen careers. And having becoming the best in your chosen career, what then does he expect of you? Or while you are striving to become the best in your chosen career, what does he expect of you? What is his mission? If you understand his mission, you will be able to align yourself to accomplish his mission while yet you remain a young person. Praise the Lord. Now, why we need to keep reminding ourselves and keep remembering the mission of Jesus is that like we saw the first day, young people, we have the tendency to forget God. Are you, are you there? Now, and we began, God began to uh, instruct us that let us not allow the, the, the excitement of being youth make you to forget Him. Now, the excitement of being young has the tendency to pull young people away from the mission of Jesus Christ. We may be, many young people are chasing their own missions, chasing their own thing, and honestly, they are chasing the wind. They never can get it. And we cannot afford to waste our lives like that. So the need for us to remind ourselves again, to understand again and again, and to keep understanding the mission of Jesus. If I have to remember my 
creator now in my youth. What is my creator up and about? What is he pursuing here on earth? If I understand that, I think I'll be a wise young man to, to pursue the mission of my creator, right? Praise the Lord. Now, the mission of Jesus. Why did he come in the first place? What did he come to do? Why did he leave the heavens, all the glory and the beauty of heaven that none of our eyes have ever seen? No matter what you have seen in your life, you have not even seen anything yet. Because what Jesus left in heaven, none of, even our hearts cannot even comprehend it. Yet he chose to come down here and lived on earth like every young man. He was born like any one of us was born. He grew like we, we are growing. He, under the tutelage of his parents, he learned trades. He was a carpenter and so on. And in all of this, the scripture testified that he had done all things well. Praise God. Why was he doing all of that? Now, as parents, we also need to keep reminding and understanding the mission of Jesus so that we also can gladly release our children to pursue the mission of Jesus for their lives. We can guide them to accomplish the mission of Jesus. If we don't do so, we will find out that our young people will not have proper direction, proper guidance. And we trust that the Lord God will help us. Praise God. Now, even if you are not a parent here, we have need of understanding the mission of Jesus so that wherever he has located you as a disciple, as a, a believer in Christ, you will only arrange and rearrange your life continually to accomplish that same purpose. If you will, if you will at the end of your life, look back and say, yes, I have run well. I've accomplished all that, you know, uh, 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 all that heaven expects of me to accomplish. Praise God. Now, the first mission of Jesus. Why did he come? What was his mission? Praise God. Now, we look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Understanding the mission of Jesus. Why we need to keep understanding ourselves is that many young people... And even many Christians have misunderstood the reason why Jesus came. And so because of this misunderstanding, many things that Jesus came to do and to, and to give and to do every and anything for them. Many are now using Jesus to accomplish their selfish ends. But Jesus is even finding it difficult to use them to accomplish his own end. We need to understand this so that even when we pray... We, keep, we need to keep asking ourselves, is my prayer aligning with the mission of Jesus? Now, the first thing we can glean from his life is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. In verse 21, let me take it from verse 22. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. We begin to understand very sharply the mission of Jesus even from the name that was prophesied to be given to him before he actually was born. The angel, Gabriel, the angel came to, to, 
tell Joseph that he shouldn't bother with what has happened to Mary who was engaged to him. But that the baby that was in Mary's womb when he was born should be named Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. Now we understand very sharply from there that the very reason why Jesus was given the name Jesus was to save people from sin. Many times when we use the name Jesus today, it often does not occur to us that that name has everything to do with the salvation of men from their sins. Because of this gross misunderstanding of why the name Jesus was given, so many are using even the name Jesus to kill people. And the question or the puzzle in the mind of Jesus, I suppose, is, but this name I was not given to kill people. This name was given to me, I bear this name, to save men from their sins. How come are those, some who claim to be following me, using this same name to be killing people? So as young people, when we talk about the name Jesus, it has Everything to do with deliverance of men from their sins. And as we commit ourselves to Jesus, we also ought to know that anytime you use the name Jesus, anytime you are pursuing Jesus, let it be settled in your heart assuredly that he has everything to save men from sin. So if as a young man, and I am now committed to Jesus. I just know that the mission of Jesus is to save people from their sins. So following anywhere, whether I am a student, whether I am a farmer, whether I am a father, whether I am whatever I am, I am cooperating with Jesus in the business of saving men. Except I don't want to be identified with him. So the name Jesus was given because he shall save his people from their sins. And we are his people. And now that he, he, has, he has, he's in heaven, he has put the honor of his name in our lives. He has even come to live in our hearts. So that in our thinking, in our planning, in our dreaming, it will have to do with the salvation of men. So as, a, as young people, all your dreams and passion in life, great as they may be, if you, don't, if you, you need to ask yourself, has it anything to do with the salvation of men? If it has nothing to do with the salvation of men, I'm afraid you may, be, you may be edging out gradually. Praise the Lord. The second mission of Jesus is in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Luke 19, verse 10. Reminding, remembering the mission of Jesus. The mission of Jesus, our Creator. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Let me take verse 9. I mean, yeah, from verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, this man too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek 
and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The mission of Jesus, why he ever came down from heaven and lived like every one of us are living, was just because he was seeking to save that which was lost. So, if you, if you read the story from verse 1, you're talking about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus as a chief tax collector, a chief custom officer. He has cheated men. He has lived crooked lives. And even himself knew it. And he heard one day that Jesus was passing by on the streets. And he desired to see Jesus. But he was a short man. Very short indeed. And crowds were following Jesus. There was no way he could... Peep, you know, peep through the crowd to see Jesus. Quickly an idea occurred to him to climb a sycamore tree. And he made every effort to climb a sycamore tree. Maybe you don't know that it was a serious work for Zacchaeus. If, if you have ever seen a climb man, a, a short man climb a tree, you know that it's not an easy thing for a, climb, a short person to climb a tree and a sycamore tree for that matter. But all of that when Jesus came to where Zacchaeus was on that tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, please come down. Today I'm going to lodge in your house. And say, what? In my house? He wasn't expecting Jesus to lodge in his house. You know why? Because Zacchaeus was considered a sinner. I hope you know, then, tax collectors were considered sinners. Because of the crooked way they lived. If government asks them to collect 500, 000, 500 naira from people as tax, they will collect 1,000. 500 will enter their pocket. They will remit 500 to government. That was how they became rich. And this man was really very rich. So, a man did not expect that people of that kind of sinful stature should, should draw the attention of Jesus. So as he was passing by, he told Jacob, come down quickly. And he lodged in his house. And they, you know, ate with them, with him and all, all his uh, friends. And while he was there, something struck Zacchaeus quickly. And he went out and brought all his wealth and said, Look, Lord, right now, I, I, any man that I have cheated, I'm going to pay him back four times. He knew that even himself was living wrongly. And Jesus said, Yeah, today, salvation. Again, you see the word salvation linked to his name. I think in, uh, is it in, uh, in sociology or what now? There is what they call Lombroso theory. That a man behaves according to the name he is called. Isn't it? Now Jesus was naturally, normally behaving according to the name he was given. That name has to do with salvation. When he saw Zacchaeus, though of a short stature, considered the, one of the worst sinners in the society, but he knew that for such people he came. And so he says, today salvation has come into this house. And he said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Not to seek and to save the saved. I hope you know that now. Okay. Jesus, what he is doing now, the business is committed to right now. Even be, I mean, since the day he came, even before he set out from heaven, has to do with the salvation of men. So you saw him walking through the streets everywhere he went, saving men. I just discovered that 
All the people that ever shouted to Jesus, have mercy on me, he never passed them by. Go and check. You will not see. No man ever called on him and said, Lord, have mercy on me, or son of David, or whichever title they use for him. He never passed them by. Why? Because he came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus has multiplied himself in all of us here seated today. And our business then with him should be to seek and to save the lost. Unfortunately, many times when we see unbelievers, some of us have written some unbelievers off. And we say, this one, (laughs) he can never be saved, as if you are the one to save them. You just write them off. Some, some, some ruffians in your courses, in your hostess, you don't think that this one, he has gone too far. So you give up on him. Jesus does not give up on such people. He is in the business of seeking to save how such people. And as young people, God has given us gifts and talents and exposures and privileges. All of that is not for us to just be filling our stomach. No. It's so that he, living in you, will be seeking to save the lost. When Jesus met any person that was lost, he never looked down on that person, no matter how wretched that person was. That was why he could not look down on Zacchaeus himself, because he came to seek to save the lost. And if you read the story down, uh, Zacchaeus was saved, praise God. The third mission of Jesus is in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Luke 9. 55 to 56. Luke chapter 9. 55 to 56. I wish we have the time to read it from verse 51, but we don't have all that time. Um, Verse 56 says, But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he said, Then he and his disciples went to another village. I have a problem with NIV. The problem is that NIV has removed something very serious. If you, use, if you are using the King James, he said the Son of Man, he rebuked them. He said the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them, right? Huh? Okay. Now the mission of Jesus, the third mission of Jesus is that he did not come to destroy men's lives. Jesus did not come to destroy men's lives. Go and check if you will ever see in his testimony any man, any woman, any person he destroyed. I thought that when they caught that woman in adultery that day, when the religious leaders and the people caught her red-handed, when they brought her to Jesus, they told him, look, Moses commanded us that when we catch such person, we should stone her to death. They, 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 and they were expecting that Jesus should append his signature on their honor killing. By the way, the man who, with whom she did that job, that work, they left the man to go. Have you seen a woman committing adultery with herself alone? It's always a job between a man and and a wife and a woman. But they left the man to go as if he did not sin. They caught the woman and brought her to Jesus and said, Now, you, what do you say? And I like Jesus. 
he bent down and started writing and said, and they were becoming very impatient with him. They wanted him to just append his signature. And right there, they would have finished him, finished up because already they had gathered stones, stone, everything, everything, everything was ready for the execution of that sinner. Very wonderful, terrible sinner indeed. And Jesus got up and said, and looked straight at them and said, okay, anyone among you that does not have a sin, that has never sinned, let him be the first to cast a stone on this woman. And then he bent down again and left them. He sealed them to the court of their conscience. And starting from the, from the, from the top, to the least, all of them were stricken in their own mind. And they departed one after the other, one after the other. They all remembered that they were all living like that, except that they were not caught. It was unfortunate that that woman was caught. So they went back and said, ah, me, Emike, I will not strike how. Me too, I know what I did last night. Me too, I knew how, I, I knew what I did. So none of them could, could stone her. They all departed. And Jesus turned to the woman and said, Woman, where are your accusers? She said, ah, they have all gone. We know ourselves. We are all there. It's just that they caught me and because I didn't have anybody to intervene on my behalf, that's why they brought me here. All of them, even some of them, they slept with me too. Now they are accusing me. Jesus said, Go. Neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Are you understanding he will not destroy the lives of men because they are sinners. After all, that is why he came. Is it not because we are sinners? That's why he came. He came to seek and to save the lost. Young people, I charge you before God this day, for the rest of your life, don't be too ambitious and forget the vision of Jesus. Don't be too... Let the, let the, let the things of this world not get into your heads. And forget the mission of Jesus. He came to seek and to save the lost. If you are seeking ad- admission, I would that that is part of your agenda. I want to get admitted into the school of nursing. So that while I am a student there, I will be seeking to save the lost there. I want to get a job in that place. While I do the job, and I do it excellently to the honor and glory of my God, I'll be seeking to save the lost around me. If you don't do that, you will actually be living your life outside the mission of Jesus. He came to seek and to save the lost. He will not destroy the lives of men. Now, whose ministry it is to destroy the lives of men? Let's look at John 10.10. John chapter 10, verse 10. Whose ministry it is to destroy lives? It is the ministry of the devil. John 10, 10 a, Jesus said very clearly there, he said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Praise God. It is the devil That is the brain behind all the killing and destruction of lives and properties. Anywhere you see destruction of lives, you don't need to pray to know who, who, is, the, who is sponsoring that. Too. Whether it's student rioting, 
whether it's a religious crisis or ethnic crisis, whether it's a whatever, whichever form, once you see destruction of lives, you just know it's the devil that is at work. And we as young people, we must not associate our, our lives with the ministry of destruction, of stealing, and of killing. Whichever form it may be. Are we there together? So, uh, uh, Jesus, he came to seek and to save. He did not come to destroy the lives of men, but to save them. Very unfortunately, many people, when they see this is a, 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 this is a, this is a drunkard, this is a drug addict. They say this one has gone too far. They don't, in fact, they even want to avoid them. If Jesus is there, he won't avoid such people. He will not. Once Jesus sees a sinner, he has seen his mission feed. He has seen a harvest feed. You young people, all of us seated here as Christians, when you see sinners, by all means, pass them not by. Give attention to them. Because Jesus is resident in you, still seeking, seeking, seeking them out, and how to save them. If you don't do so, you may not be serving Jesus well yet. Praise God. So, never join those who are committed to destroying of lives for whatever reasons. It is the devil alone that has that soul soul authority to do that kind of wicked wicked work. Praise God. Now, the fourth mission of Jesus, 1 Timothy 1.15. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15. 1 Timothy 1.15. Brother, Brother Paul was saying something very strong. He said, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, not partial acceptance, that deserves to be fully accepted by all of us. Here is a trustworthy saying that this chapel must accept fully, and I know you accept it fully. This is a trustworthy saying that whatever you may become tomorrow deserves your full acceptance. If you have to remember your creator in the days of your youth, thy creator has created lives. And these lives have turned sinners. And the creator is set on a mission to rescue sinners. So, Brother Paul said, this here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Of whom I am the worst. One would think that worst sinners like Saul shouldn't have been saved. Should have been left to die like that in his sin. His, you know, you know, you know, serving rights. Many Christians have prayed for people like Boko Haramis. Let them fall, let them die, let them die, let them die, let them die, as if it is their business to kill them. And we were looking at him yesterday, them yesterday, 
as young in our meeting and we discovered that Shekau, who has killed so many people to whom killing is like drinking water. And if you place Shekau before God, and then you place someone who comes to this chapel who lives in sin before God, is there any difference between the two of them? Eh? I thought there should be a difference. I'm happy that everybody agrees that there's no difference. Why? Because they are all on the same plane as far as God is concerned. The person who tells white lies or black lies or gray lies, whichever way it is called, is on the same pedestal with the Boko Haramis. So if they are dying for their sins, both of them will land in hell, isn't it? One may be in Boko Haramis, one may be in the church or in the chapel. There's no difference. So, Paul was saying that this is a trustworthy saying and deserve full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. My brothers and my sisters, Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. He has paid the ultimate price. He has returned back to heaven. Though back to heaven, he has multiplied himself in all of us. He has seated, if you have accepted Jesus. And he is walking his walk in and through us. So you hear him say, my father is at his work to this very day. And I too, I am walking. Jesus is at his work to this very day. Walking in and through all of us to save sinners. The question is, how committed are you to this business of saving sinners? When you see sinners in your hostel, does anything strike you? That the reason why God put you there is so that he can walk through you to save them? Has it struck your mind that when you meet people and they are carrying bottles and drinking and destroying their lives away, does anything, does, does anything spark fire in you to say, why? Why did God bring this man my way? Why did God bring this woman my way? Does anything strike you like that? To be on mission with Jesus, remembering the creator who created life, and these lives, many are dead in sin, is to realize that he is now walking in and through us to save sinners. Praise the Lord. Paul said, this is a trustworthy saying, and it deserves full acceptance. That Jesus came to this life, to this world, to save sinners. May we align ourselves with him to do this business of saving souls. This business of saving sinners. Whether you are, whether you are a nurse, whatever you are, whatever God has made you, or whatever he may make you to become. Brothers, don't forget that. That that is not the end. The reason why he makes you to be what you are is so that you can walk with him to save sinners. Let saving of sinners become our pursuit. Actually, we are small saviors. Are we there? We are small saviors. He is the grand savior. We are small saviors. Our business here is not just to be coming to church. Our business here on earth is so that we can save sinners. Whatever, he has, whatever platform he gives to us. And this is where many of us as Christians will miss it. We can be general managers. We can be this one and that one. And the drive is the uh, monuments. We forget that even we are not managers. Are we managing just, just woods? Is it woods and is it inanimate things we are managing? We are managing human beings, right? 
whether you are a manager, some people are under you. Have you seen yourself as the manager of the lives of those people? I say, I can't be manager over these people and they'll pass my hand and be going to hell. What am I going to tell my Lord? I am a manager over these lives. I may not be able to save all of them today, but as long as I am their manager for two, three years, I want to ensure that some are saved. And those who are saved go to save others that I may not be able to save. That is why we are here as, as people. Praise God. He came to call sinners. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 verse, verse 13. Matthew 9 13. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come, I have come not, sorry, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Are we there? Jesus said, look, go and learn this saying. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, or rather than sacrifice. For I have come to call the, I have, I have not come to call the righteous, but who? Sinners. Do you understand this now? You know, many times, many of us as Christians, we just enjoy relating with only brethren. Eh? We just relate, we just enjoy relating with only brethren. That's good, but it's not good enough. It is like saying, well, I am, a, I am a believer so that I can enjoy fellowship with brethren only. Good as that is, it is not complete. Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. We as people of God, we must realize this, that this is the mission of Jesus. If we were all righteous, he wouldn't have come. Eh? He wouldn't have come. If we were all doing what God expected of us to do, there would have been no need for a savior. So he said, he did not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners unto repentance. Now, if you look at the parable of the, of the sheep, right? The man had a hundred sheep. He took them out, and then brought them back, and took them to the pen. Then as he was counting, one, two, three, four, five, he discovered that one was missing. One would think that having the 99 saved in a secure place, he should forget the only single one that was lost. But he left that 99 and went after the lost one in the forest. He went up and down, checking up and down for well and every corner until he found the lost sheep. He carried it on his neck and returned home. And when he returned home, he called the feast. And, and you know, he called the feast and, 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 and he had the feast and called his friends to come and rejoice with him. I, I dare to think that, you know, when he say he called the feast, it means that he killed some, he killed some animal, right? He must have taken from one of those 99. Oh yes, because he had only 100. He must have taken from one of the 99. He said, this one, they did not, they were not lost. So I can carry one and celebrate on the behalf of the one that was lost. Sometimes God may even allow some of us to suffer some things just for the sake of saving the sinners. 
We need to understand this. That is his business of saving men. He may even allow some unfortunate things to befall us. Not because he hates us. It is because we are already saved. Are you understanding now? So he may allow something to happen to us for the sake of saving the sinners. When you li- as you live your life, please don't forget this. He didn't come to call the righteous because they are already righteous. He came to call sinners. Are you involved in the ministry of calling sinners along with Jesus? That is the question you should be asking yourself every now and then. Praise God. He came to call sinners to repentance. Anywhere he saw sin, sinners, he had seen a mission feed. He mingled and are always with sinners as he sought to seek and to save them. He will eat with sinners. He will eat with sinners. He will allow sinners to touch him. You remember the story of that woman who came to pour that costly ointment on him. The people that were there, he was eating in their house. They say, oh, if this man is a, is a religious man as he claimed to be, he would have known what manner of woman is touching him. What were they saying? They were claiming that they were too holy and too righteous than that woman. And as we are saying, you know Jesus, I trust him. He always understands what goes on in the heart of all men. So he asked him, Simon, I want to tell you something. Some, some two people were owing somebody some money. One was owing a large sum. Another one was owing a small sum. And they, didn't, they both didn't have money to pay. And the creditor forgave them. He wrote off their, their debt. He said, he asked him, Simon, what do you think? Who among these two should be grateful? And the man, he caught the message. He said, well, I think the one that was forgiving much. He said, you see, I came to your house. You didn't do this, you didn't do that, you didn't do that. Look at this woman. Since she came here, she has been pouring her tears on, my, on me. Pouring her oil and even wiping, the, wiping it with her, with, her, with her hair. The person who is forgiving much expresses much joy and gratitude to God. That's Jesus. Never think that Jesus will agree with you to look down on somebody and say, this one, uh, umbe, umbe, this one, like this. You write in, Jesus will not agree with you. He will not. Because he did not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. I charge you young people, go after the sinners in your hostel. How can you be a student for four or five years? And then sinners are around you and they are growing comfortably in their sin. What manner of Jesus are you serving? If all of us here now catch the fire of seven sinners, do you know that this church will not contain us in the next three months? Eh? All of us, God has placed us in different locations. If we see ourselves as saving souls along with Jesus, right where he has placed you, this church will find want to demolish it down and expand it again. But because many of us are not doing what we are supposed to be doing, we come here and the church is not filled. But Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. I want to say that, I want to, I want to encourage us, make a decision in your mind that, me, oh Lord, even if I am a keke rider, I want to be kekeing people into the kingdom of God. As I keke them, from one to, to Okunanu, I have my tracks with me. 
I have my gun with me. I have my, when I say gun, I'm talking about the word of God now, huh? Anyhow, give it out. Whether they understand or not, give it out. Somebody may collect it. He may pass it to somebody. And it will go and go like that. You can't say how far it will go. Let all of us arise as people of God to be involved in the business of saving souls. Otherwise, we will be expecting Jesus to come. He won't come home. Because, you know, he said, until the gospel is preached to the ends of the earth, the end will not come. Who will preach it? It is you and I. Praise God. Verse uh, number 6. Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 15. The mission of Jesus. He did not come to make us materially rich. Here is a great controversy. But may God grant us understanding in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 15. The parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I wish we have the time to read through from verse 1 of this chapter 12 you will understand the import of what Jesus was saying here. You know, if you follow verse 1, he was teaching them some deep things, deep discipleship teaching. Teaching them and telling them that they should not be concerned with some ephemeral things. And he was telling them that whoever acknowledges him publicly before others, he, the Son of Man, will acknowledge him also before the angels of God. And so on and so forth. If you read it, he was just teaching them deep discipleship, giving them deep discipleship instructions. But someone was in the congregation there. And as Jesus was teaching, I, I, I imagine he was adjusting his seat. He was waiting for the opportunity. And as Jesus was going, he raised his hand, excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir, I have a question. I have an issue. And Jesus said, what is your problem? He said, sir, Beg my brother here, my brother, to divide the inheritance between the two of us. Our father have died, and the inheritance only he sat upon it. He is not willing to give me my own share. Tell him, oh, see him here, see him here. Tell him to give me my own share now. Do you understand what is happening? Jesus, you know, he will never be distracted from the main cause. He told him, say, man... Who made me a judge or a divider or an arbiter between you and your brother? Is that what I came to do? Did I come here to be... Can you imagine Jesus now sitting over two brothers who are quarreling over inheritance? You, all you are divided 40%. You take 60%. Do you imagine that? Is that why he came? Is that what he came to do? No. So he went on and said, look, 
When he finished and, and handled that man, he turned to his disciples, the, the people he was teaching, and he said, look, let me warn you. Take heed unto yourself. Take heed unto greed. For a man's life is not in the abundance of the things he possessed. Many of us, many Christians nowadays think that the evidence of being a Christian is the abundance of cars, abundance of shoes, abundance of clothes, abundance of this, abundance of that. Many think that that is what it is the evidence to show I am shining for Jesus. That's not so. The man's life is not consistent in the abundance of the things he possessed. Jesus was implying that the reason why I came is not to come and be dividing goods for men. I hope you know that before Jesus came, men were rich. I hope you know. There were rich men. Abraham was rich. Even Zacchaeus that we saw, he was a rich man. But his wealth could not save him. When people come around and think that coming to Jesus is to make me rich, I want to be a rich Christian. You don't need Jesus to be rich, do you? The richest people are not, are not followers of Jesus at all. Men who are rich, they didn't need Jesus to be rich. What Jesus came to give is to save men from sin. A man's wealth cannot save him. So I keep telling my children, see, I don't envy, I don't envy people with their wealth. I don't. You know why? Because many of them, if you keep into their life, many of those who are wealth, and Jesus is not the center of their lives, they are in crisis. It's you that see them from the outside and say, wow, I wish I can be like him. If you enter into his life, you say, you wish you are not like him at all. What are we saying? Jesus did not come to make us Materially rich. Yes. Somebody will say, but he became rich. He became poor. Though rich, that we might be made, huh? we might become rich. <laughs> that is not the primary thing. The essence, look, go and check. No man's possession can ever save him. Is that correct? No matter what a man possess, that thing has no capacity to save him. No matter the education, no matter the resources a man possess, those things have no capacity to save. The only thing that has the capacity to save people from their sin is the name Jesus, and it's Jesus himself. When a man is saved and is on his way to heaven, he is the richest of all men. Don't you remember the story of that poor man, Lazarus, and the rich man? You remember? You remember the rich man? The story of the rich man and the poor Lazarus. Now, if wealth were to save people, that man would have been saved. But he was not. And that is not to say that to be a Christian means that it's a license to be poor. No! No! So that we won't think that, okay, because I'm poor, I'm Christian, or God is pleased with me. No, that's not the issue. What Jesus is saying is that he has not come to be distracted from the main cause. When you have Jesus... You have gotten everything, even though you may not have material wealth. Praise God. So Jesus, he came that man, he did not come to make us materially rich. But that is not also to mean that if you follow Jesus, you will be a pauper. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what will happen? 
all other things, not everything in the world, oh, all other things that you as an individual need, he will add to you. There are some things that brother, my brother needs, I don't need. So Jesus may give him what he needs. He may not give me, because that is not what I need. So if I see him and say, what he has, me too, I should have it, I am making a mistake. Because he takes my life, he takes what he wants me to do, he wants to accomplish in me, he discovers that what he has, I don't need those things. I wish to get that. But I surely know that Jesus, once you are seeking his kingdom, what you need, he will give to you. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Now, he came, verse 7, number 7 now, he came to make disciples of all nations. I thank God for the chapel. Your team for this year is making disciples of all nations. That's very good. And young people, you have to key into this. Making disciples of all nations. He came to make disciples of all nations, begin with the twelve. He began with the twelve. Yeah, he increased the, the speed to 70 or 72. And then the 120 in the upper room. And when he was going, he has left us this task. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Say, go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Now, I like to uh, talk about a little, as young people, even as all of us here seated, we have, the, we have to go into all the world. Now, when Jesus said all the world, the implications are diverse. Right. It's a geographical world. From Africa to all over the world, we have to go there. And some of us that are here, let me tell you now, God is going to send us to different nations, either on the platform of your profession, or wanting or the other, even if it is persecution that will scatter us. Whichever way it comes, we have to go to all the nations. Are we there? Then, go into all the world. There are different kinds of world. The world of the young people, somebody must enter there. The world of children, some people must enter there. The world of the aburus, taxi drivers, conductors, somebody must enter into their world to preach the gospel. The world of patients, the world of, of drunkards, the world of Muslims. The world of the other religion, African traditional religion. Our men, many of our people in the villages are not saved though. I hope you are aware of this. Very religious. They know everything, but many are not saved. Somebody has to enter that world. And that person has to be you and I. Go into. It's not go to the world. I hope you know in English there are two different things. If I say go to the world and go into the world, there are two different things. You are you are likely to come to the church without necessarily entering into the church. Is it the same thing? No. So when Jesus he didn't say go to the world, if he had said go to the world, it would have been a superficial thing. But he said go into. That is, any world that Jesus is pulling you to go. If it is the world of taxi drivers, somebody, go into their world. Be one of them. Seek to understand why they do the thing they do. 
to understand why conductors are always, their eyes are always raised and they are always aggressive. You need to understand what is making them to be like that. So that you'll be able to do what? To preach the gospel to them. Should they be saved? Should conductors be saved? Should drivers be saved? If you go to the street now, you will see them. They don't obey traffic light. They don't obey anything. They don't care, even if they cause accident. They are just, after the world, 50 naira, 20 naira, 1, 1, 1, AK, 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 AK. That is their world. Somebody has to enter there. Except we are saying that Jesus has forgotten them. He has not. Somebody has to deliberately enter that world and learn their strategy. AK, 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 AK. But you know, you can even go to AK without necessarily, without necessarily going to AK. Just because you'll be able to adapt yourself into their world and save them. If we don't do that, they will perish and go to hell. And Jesus will hold us responsible. Go into all the world and make disciples. Those of us are students. I hope you know the world of students is a very different thing. Eh? Do you know that you are in that world? If you are a, a, a follower of Jesus, you are in that world for a, a few years. Am I correct? Am I correct? Once you graduate from here, the people that are with you in the hostel, you will never have them again together. Even if you come back for postgraduate or for whatever, you can never have all of them again. When you are a student, all the people that are your classmates, that is a word for you. Go into them. Go into them. Preach the gospel. Make disciples of them. If you miss that, oh my God, you will never have them back. When you meet, when you meet some of them again, some are already, see, at the level of, uh, when you are students, are you understanding now? You are at the same level. You can talk at the same level. When you graduate, some will become this, some will become that. Even if you meet again in another meeting, it will not be the same. Are we there? Even if you come back with some of them, you can never come back with this, all of them for, your, for, for the same course again. That is the world. Go into it. Young people, all the grace of God in you, all the beauty and the handsomeness he has put in you, all the ability he has put in you, flood them into saving men while you are young. Praise the Lord. He came to seek and to save. Sorry, he came to make disciples of all nations. And now, he has left, all the, he has left the task to all of us. None of us that is seated here has any excuse. As parents, Keep praying for your children that they will key into the purpose of God. Are we there now? Because where you may not go, they may go there beyond you. Are we there now? I thank God for my father. They, he did something for me years ago. I think about, about 21 years ago. I will not forget it. It was in our local church, small church in our village. When I came back to tell him that God has called me to missions, he had his struggles, so, but we kept walking along. Until he came to understand the whole thing. And he, then he, 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 he did something. And I won't forget that thing. On the day that my church were to release me to, uh, to go, my father, though age at that time, he came all the way to the church. And he, he was able to come and put his hand on me. And say, <laughs> out of my 11 children, this one, He released me to go. He didn't know where I was going. He said, go. I have, go. It will be well with you. Go. He released me. So, I, I went. I will come back home. When I entered, I came back home for leave. 
the first question my father will ask me is, how are the Arabs? Are they getting saved? I say, yes, they are. So tell me. I say, well, I'll, I'll sit down and tell him this, 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 this. Say, uh-uh. So what is happening? All, all our prayers, is it that God is not answering them? I say, he's answering them. It's just that those people, they are not like the people you are familiar with. When you say John 3.16, they understand where you are going. Just once, you need to say John 3.16, three, I mean, almost 20 times in different ways for them to understand. Have you understood? Okay, we will pray. So, my father was the greatest prayer supporter I had till he died. Oh, I miss him. He released me. He said, go! As parents, uh-uh. why did God give us all these wonderful children? Is it so that they can become our security in our old age? In fact, there will be more security when you release them to Jesus. Praise the Lord. You know, each time you read the, uh, uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, do you remember what happened to Zebedee? You remember the matter? They were his only security. They were harvesting. They were, they were catching fish with him. And on the same day, the man lost his two sons <laughs> to Jesus, to his mission. Jesus came and recruited the two of them on the same day. I, I imagine how the man felt that day. So he had to begin, he had to, begin to gather his net. I said, mm, where are your children now? Ah, Jesus has taken them home. He has taken them home. And I believe he released them to Jesus freely. Parents, sometimes you remember the prayer you prayed before God gave you these children. Some of us who fasted and prayed for many days. In fact, some even made vow that God, if you give me any, if you give me children, this, 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 this. But when the children grow, many parents forget the vow they made. This is your children. God is going to hijack them from your hands. So when he hijacked them, please don't hinder them. Pray for them. Release them to go. That is the best way to release your children into any security at all. Praise God. Now, we will just begin to round up. As conclusion, and by way of application, as a student, your fellow students are a harvest feed around you. Students, your fellow students, you see, your, your course mates, they are a harvest feed. When I was a student, there was some, even though I was just new in the faith then, there was something I was used to do. I knew all my course mates by name. I knew all of them by name. And I knew how we, each, we used to sit in our lecture hall. I knew, you know, you know, some people, they know there are way people sit in lecture. There are some people that I just knew how people used to sit. So in the morning hours, before I leave my room to go to lecture, I'll sit down and I made a list. And in my, in my, in my, in my, in my, in my head, I can follow that list and pray for this one, pray for this one, pray for this one, pray for this one, pray for one by one, one by one. I say, God, let them not leave school without experiencing Jesus. Of course, God didn't answer that prayer. Not all of them repented <laughs> before we graduated. But I'm glad that even after, after graduation, God caught it. Some of them. I no matter how I want to help them, I want to do anything in their life, I can't have them back again. They have all gone. Are you getting it now? So what are we saying? As a student, why must you sit in lecture? Why must you be a student with fellow students for four or five years? And you will not save some. Which Jesus are you following? If Jesus were to be a student... What will he do? 
If Jesus were to be in your class, if Jesus were to be reading medicine, if Jesus were to be reading nursing, how will he relate with his fellow students? That's a poster for you. And you already can know now what Jesus will do. Praise God. As a lecturer, the classroom is your parish. And the students are your parishioners. Am I correct? As a lecturer, the students, the classroom is your parish. The students are your parishioners. They are your potential converts. I imagine that if I am your lecturer now and all of you are my students, Abba, for two, four, four five years, or even, even if, even if it's for one session, or even one semester, that are to be your, your lecturer, I already know what Jesus will do. So I'll say, these ones, I can't teach them one course or the other. And they will pass through my hands and they go. No, 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 no. I hope you know that while he's your student, he's under your mercy. I hope you know. If you organize party and invite him, he will come. If you say, well, I want to organize extra lesson or extra lecture, they will come. So you have strong influence over their lives. While you remain the lecturer, the, the lecture hall is your parish. And the students are your parishioners. I used to tell my pastor when we were, when we were long, long ago, I told him, please see, I have enough work to do. Don't bother to be, to be involved me, to be involving me in preaching in the church. I don't need to wait till I get to the pulpit in the church. Where I am working, I have enough, I have enough pulpits. I have enough people preaching to. So, make arrangement for others. Let them be doing it. Me, I will, I will, I have, in fact, from Monday to Monday, I have enough opportunities to preach. Are we there now? So, so, what it is saying, what we're saying is this, whatever you are doing, that thing becomes your puppet. Oh, if Christians in Nigeria will understand this simple principle, that wherever you are, whatever you are doing, are you not going to be interacting with human beings? Eh? All of us here, we are interacting with human beings, isn't it? Whatever work you are doing, you are interacting with human beings. Make it a deliberate decision with Jesus. That since I am interacting with human beings, and these human beings, they are in need of salvation. And the Savior is located in me. I'm going to do something to save me. I may not save everybody. Of course, I cannot. But surely, by the message of God, I can save somebody. And that somebody will go and save somebody. And that somebody will go and save somebody. Eventually, we are all saved. Let's get involved with that in the name of Jesus Christ. As a doctor, a nurse, a pharmacist, your patients are waiting patiently to be saved by the great physician. If you will show them concern. You see, all of us as doctors, nurses, pharmacists, the reason why God gave you that skill, that profession, I hope you know that there are, there are other classmates of yours who desire to read the course you, you read. They didn't have the opportunity. Eh? When you came, when you write jam, were you the only person that wrote jam? Were you the only person that applied for that course? The, many were not taken. You were taken. Has it ever occurred to you? Why did God allow me to be admitted? And then I graduated. And I am, a, I am, I am practicing my profession. 
Has it occurred to you that it is for the sake of saving souls that he made you to become a nurse? He made you to become a doctor? He made you to become a pharmacist? Have you seen that? Your tools in your hand as the things God needs to save men? You remember Moses? You remember Moses? God asked him, what is in your hand? He said, the rod. Okay, carry that rod. Do this. Moses did not know all the while that he was carrying the rock that could become serpents. He didn't know that all the while he was carrying the rod, wearing the, the power to even divide the Red Sea. He didn't know. Many of us, the tools of work we carry, we don't know what God has located in that thing to bring about his kingdom. I, was, I have been dealing with some mechanics in their workshop over the past few months, helping them to see that Mechanics are crooked people. But that because Jesus has entered your life, you can be a different mechanic. Helping to disciple them that with what you are doing as mechanics, you have great tool in your hand to affect everybody. All of us that have cars here, are, they not, are we not at their mercy? Eh? I thought I see, when somebody is a lawyer, he buys his great V8 or V16 Jeep, whatever V that is there now. Who, who does he depend on to run that thing? He needs a mechanic. If he's the chief judge of Enugu and he's riding his car all about the places, he needs a mechanic to maintain that thing. So I said, you mechanics, don't let any man look down on you because you are a mechanic. Actually, you are the one controlling the society. Because, you see, a governor can buy a car now. If a mechanic say, if he takes to a mechanic, actually the mechanic can ground down that car. Is it possible? He can ground it down. And you won't even know that he did anything wrong. In fact, you will be paying for the punishment he's given to you. You will pay. Say, engineer has condemned. You go and buy a new engine. Oh, he said this one is not the fit. It's not the correct one. You go and buy another one. He's a mere mechanic. Oh, you look down at him that he's a mere mechanic. But see how he's controlling your life. So what are we saying? The people we may look down at, we don't know what ability God has given to them. Don't look down at people because you are what you are. And you think they are not what you think they should be. They are something in the hand of God. Let's invest into the lives of men. Let's save them. Let's rescue them. Let's prepare them for heaven. For that is what Jesus came to do. As a businessman, woman, you stand a good chance of engaging your customers. The clients with the kingdom business. I hope you know that the business, the kingdom of God is all about business. How many of us are aware of that? Business people. The kingdom of God is about business. He gave them talent, some he gave them ten, others five, and some one, and said, do business until I come. Occupy till I come. That money he gave you for the business, no be your own, no. He gave it to you so that you can do what? You can occupy the business world for him until he comes. You can, as business people, all your customers and clients, if you see them and say, God, these are my congregation. So every morning before you come to the place of your business, you have prayed for those God to bring your way. And you have already predetermined yourself that the ones who will come today, in fact, they will not just come and buy my goods and go away they will also buy the gospel from me today, today. Today, not today. Today, not today. So you set yourself on course. Will God give you grace? He will give you. Many of your customers will enter and they will thank God for you that they ever knew you as their 
customer. Praise the Lord. But many times, money, pursuit of money blindfolds our eyes. When we see them first, it is the amount of money that is in their pocket we are guessing. So, you guess the amount, you don't, so you increase the price of your good, but you are not, you are not putting price at, the, at his soul. You are not putting the correct word at his soul. As businessmen, let's engage people with the business of the kingdom. As a barrister, as a lawyer, how are you using the privilege of your profession to win your clients for the kingdom? What would Jesus do if he were a barrister, a lawyer? What would Jesus do if you are a barrister, a lawyer? I was in court one day just to follow somebody to court. And I saw the proceedings in the court. Ha! Ah, my heart went for, for those criminals they brought to court. If you see some of them, oh Jesus. Some are, they have, they have, and they were young people. That was even the thing that struck my heart. They were all young people. If you see some of them, it's like they are already, in fact, they have given up on hope, have given up hope on life. So anything could happen. And they were there. I said, God, have mercy upon this man. Lawyers, barristers, God has made us to be that thing so that we can help to rescue men quickly at that critical time. What one of the things we saw, we saw with the life of Jesus in his business of saving men was that criminal. That, remember the criminal that was crucified with him. At that critical last point, Jesus was dying. He himself was dying. But Jesus did not give up on him. At that critical last point, Jesus saved him. And that man went to heaven. He had lived all his life as a criminal. No Bible study, no prayer meeting, no anything, no anything. He just said, Father, he just said, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. That was all. That was all. It does not take much for men to be saved. Brethren, it does not take much for men to be saved. The one who has terrorized us, who has been the worst arm robber here in Enugu, the very day he will say, Lord, have mercy on me. I hope you know that that will solve all, that, that will settle all the problems. God will forgive him and will go to heaven. So what are we saying? We will round up in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? I hear the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send to the world of the students? Whom shall I send into the world of the business world? Whom shall I send? To all the worlds around us. Whom shall I send to the neighborhood? And who will go for us? Then Isaiah say, here I am, send me. Some of us will say, here I am, send it on. Here I am, send it on. Lord, I am here, but I am not willing to go. I am here, I want you to help me, I want you to give me everything I need, but send it on. Isaiah say, here I am. Here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell these people. Young people, the conclusion of the matter for this week, the Lord is saying, go. What is the meaning of go? Is it difficult for any man to understand what go is? Go means to what? Go. You have not gone until you have gone. Go to your hostess. 
And as I'm talking now, he's putting some names in your heart. He wants you to go after. Go after them. Go after them. I am at work to bring them to salvation. Go. Some of us, he will be putting some specific issues in your heart to go. Some people to go after them. You say, send Angelina. I say, no, it is you. Go. Here am I. Send me. Young men, young women, what are you going to be doing with the rest of your life? How are you going to serve God with all the beauty, all the glory, all the handsomeness, all the exposures, all the privileges, all the opportunities He has put in your hand? How are you going to, what are you going to do with them? Will you use them to serve the Lord? Or will you allow the devil to hijack them to advance his own kingdom? God forbid that. Who, who, who will go for us? Whom shall I send to all the world here? Understanding the mission of Jesus, giving our lives in totality to that mission is the essence of our being here as Christians. Remembering to serve the Lord. Remember now, and it is now. It has to, it's now. Because if you wait any longer, it will be too late. Remember now, your Creator, serve Him, honor Him with your body. Serve Him. As single or married people, as we took time to look at what that means yesterday. In remembering thy Creator now, you need to keep before you consistently the mission of that Creator. What He came to do. What is he, what is still pursuing, even right now, with all the crises in the world, he is committed to this mission. Are you going to be committed to that mission? Parents, will you graciously release your children to Jesus for him to use? If you have any struggle, remember Zebedee. He released his sons to Jesus. We are hearing about John and James today just because their father released them. Huh? To Jesus. If he had, if he had sat over them and said, no, let them be catching fish for me. Let them be catching, he would have eaten fish, oh. He would have perished with fish long ago and wouldn't have been hearing anything about him and his fish, and his fish at all. But God bless his soul. What are you going to do for Jesus as young people? Let's rise up and pray. Are you deciding to give your life to Jesus? The Spirit of God was saying to you, open the door and I will come in. You don't need much talking. You need the peace that Jesus Raise your hand. I have made up my mind. Old or young, I have made up my mind. Father or mother, I have made up my mind. Young person, to hand it over to Jesus, to have the life of sin to be taken away and to serve Jesus with my life. I want the peace that Jesus gives. Just raise your hand where you are. Thank God for you. Thank God for you. As you're raising your hand where you are, could you kindly just stand where you are at this moment? We can't finish this service of prayer without committing you to Jesus. As you're raising your hand, just stand where you are. And as you stand, can I ask you to please kindly walk down here. Just take a moment and walk down. Old or young, just kindly walk down here. We're waiting for you. Thank God for you. 
please walk down. If you are raising your hand, just walk down. Let's pray together with you. Today is the day we are handing you over. That the way Jesus caught up with Zacchaeus, irrespective of his past, he will also catch up with you. It doesn't matter what had happened with your life before. Today there will be a new beginning. And as you begin with Jesus, he will not abandon you. He will make your life better. And he will give you the peace that passes all understanding. Please walk down. Are you still arguing? Are you still struggling? Cease the struggling and let the peace of God garrison your heart right now. Lord, I give you my life. I give you my soul. I leave my you alone. Everything that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my life. Is there anyone still struggling right there? Please come down. Let's pray together with you. I take every moment I'm awake. Lord, have your way in me. As you stand here, young or old, Jesus has caught your attention. Nobody forced you to come. I want you to believe with your heart. The Bible says you believe with your heart unto righteousness. That you are a sinner. And cannot help yourself. And Jesus paid the price for your sins. You confess with your mouth. That Jesus. Come into my life. And be my Lord and my Savior. And you shall be saved. And we take God by his word. Repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus. Thank you. You love me. You came for me. You came to save me from my sins. I am sorry. For the life I have lived so far. At this moment, I repent. From all that has not pleased you. From all my sins. From all my past living. That has not been to your delight. I turn over my life to you. Come into my life now. Be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my past. Put a right spirit within me and be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you as you change me, turn me around, give me a new heart, and bring even the peace that you give right in my heart and make me a child of God. Thank you for hearing me. In Jesus' name we pray. Almighty God, as many as come to you, you will in no wise cast out. You will save to the uttermost. And even the children, for theirs is the kingdom of God. As many here as are up to the age of reasoning, and they answer their names in class, and they know they are right from their wrong, they are left from their right. Lord, even the older, the fathers here, and who have committed their hearts sincerely to you, let the old pass away in the name of Jesus. 
Let all things become new, God, in the name of Jesus. Rewrite their lives, rewrite their history. Lord, all that has been contrary to them, that the enemy has already begun to imprint, or has already laid down. Father, let there be a wiping away in the name of Jesus. Release your power of grace and love and mercy upon them and make them new. Make them clean. Let all things become new. And let the peace of God that passes all understanding keep their hearts and minds in your knowledge and love. And from today, let them walk with the power of your spirit in newness of life, serving you all their life end. In Jesus' name we pray. And let everyone say amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. Praise the Lord.